Thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Retailistic. I am here with my co-host, Andrew Smith. Hello, Andrew. G'day. It's great to be back. Andrew, I know you recently had a very unique opportunity to catch up with the CEO of Verb, and they are starting to get into shopping festivals, live streaming. Maybe you can kind of tell us how it went. Uh, I mean, I'll let, I'll let you all listen to your, for yourselves in a second, but like, it was such a cool chat for lots of reasons. Rory and I... Um, like he, he was good for some tough questions. You know me, I don't mind every now and again pushing on people who have ideas that maybe, uh, you know, where I might have seen some evidence that's different. And we had a really great chat. And I think, you know, what he and the team at Verb are doing is really, really smart. Um, you know, but in particular, the reckoning of so, of uh, social media influences and, and the way that brands are not yet leaning in. He even made a pretty bold prediction about where live streaming will sit in the channel infrastructure for retailers. So I'll, uh, I'll shut up and let him do the talking. So here's my chat with uh, with Rory. Rory, I am very excited uh, to chat with you today. I am, you know, Deborah and I have spoken so many times in this podcast about new and emerging uh, ways that retailers are retailing, and I know you are at the uh, at the blade's edge of that one. Um, introduce yourself to everybody. Introduce yourself to you know what you guys do at Verb and what you've created. Sure, thank you. I'm Rory Kataya. I'm the CEO of uh, Verb Technology Company. We're NASDAQ listed company. Our symbol is VERB. And our uh, historically, our business is sales software or a SaaS platform. And what differentiates our, our sales software is that it's based upon our proprietary interactive video technology, which really was sort of the, the lead-in to the most recent uh, iteration of our business, a, a new silo, if you will. And it's something that we call Market, uh, and it's market.live. Uh, it is a live stream shopping platform, uh, unlike really anything out there. Um, we have been doing this for many, many years and really understand, I believe, uh, consumer behavior, what they're looking for, what works in interactive video, what doesn't, and all of those things that we've learned, really the culmination of all of our experiences over the past seven or eight years uh, have resulted in, in, in market. And uh, it's a multi-vendor live stream shopping platform where there are, as of today, uh, hundreds of uh, stores on there uh and anyone um can uh, any store owner uh operator can go live at any time they want so uh consumers shoppers can tune in and uh and and see many many different live stream shopping events going on and of course they can communicate with one another communicate with the hosts and those um those recordings of live stream events uh are also uh can be found in the stores so you can shop the stores and uh, uh and you'll see previous recordings of live streams, which are still shoppable and reflect current inventory levels. It's a unified shopping cart, so you could spend all day uh, on market, going from live stream to live stream, from store to store, and uh, no one's going to bother you to check out until you get to the end or whenever you decide you want to check out. And the shopping cart will follow you from event to event. You can invite your friends to join you and uh, fans, followers. And when you when you broadcast over market, you are, uh, if you so choose, also simulcasting over Twitter and Facebook and uh, uh, YouTube and many, many other social platforms. So it's it's really cool. And next week is our big commercial launch. Uh, it's called ShopFest. It's three days of peace, love, and live stream shopping. And uh, we've got about 50 to 60 
brands, influencers, celebrities participating in it. Uh, three stages, I guess stages is the best way to refer to it. So at any given time, uh, you could see one of three different uh, pieces of programming, live programming going on. There's MCs on on the East Coast and the new in the West Coast that will uh, give you direction, wrap up what you just saw, talk about what's coming, uh, tell you what you know what, what to click on to go see a particular piece of content uh, or live stream or your favorite uh, brand celebrity. So it's um, super exciting uh, this launch next week. So let me stop there. I just gave you a bunch no, of things. I could I can listen all day. It's clearly you've you've uh, you've uh, you're into the product. Um, that was. That's someone who knows it and has been on the the cutting edge of design the whole time. By the sounds of it, um, peace, love, and shopping. You couldn't send any more Californian if you tried. Um, <laughs> it's uh, I, which I love, by the way. I'm all for. Um, I like uh, most of our listeners will know that kind of my. I'm always from the you know behavioral side of things. Like, what is the customer doing here, and why are they here? And when I speak to a lot of retail execs who come and you know talk to me about trends or what's next or what should I be paying attention to, et cetera. It's really hard to disenthrall them from this kind of perception of live streaming as basically the shopping network of old, you know, the get the free set of steak knives, cut through a shoe kind of perception that people have of it. How do you respond to that when people kind of throw that at you? Um, I, I think that you want to um, be responsive to uh, what people are looking for, but at the same time, you want to guide them to what um, they don't know they want yet. Uh, is, does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, it's, I kind of, for me, I'm thinking like the, from a, especially from a, um, a leader point of view, like, you know, if I'm leading a big retail business and I know live streaming exists and I don't quite know whether I should dip my toe in it or not, because again, I've got these perceptions almost, and I would say almost negative perceptions of old school television shopping network as kind of cheapening the brand a little bit. But it's not that. You and I both know that it's not that. We've seen such incredible experiences of brands leaning in on live streaming and creating incredible engagement with uh, with the end user. And um, why? Do, which brings me to th- which brings me to the the human on the other end who's going to give us money if we do it well. Like what 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 do you think is behind the trend of people wanting to jump into live streaming and watch influencers talk about products they may want to buy? I, I think if you if you go to the origins of it, and, and as I see it. And the, the origins, I, I believe, uh, are reality TV. That, that's where it starts. Um, everybody wants to be uh, an influencer. That's interesting. And then the rise of social media. Everyone wants to share everything. Everyone wants to communicate. And then layer on top of that, a generation of people that grew up playing video games and, and appreciating that they could learn through interactivity by engaging with the screen, interacting with the screen. And so when you, you sort of lump all of that together, um, it, it's just the natural evolution of things. People want to be entertained, but they want that entertainment to be interactive. They no longer want, I guess as my generation used to describe it, the lean back experience where you just lean back and you just watch. But with the, you know, the advent of, of mobile devices, fit in the palm of your hand, always on information, uh, that lean back experience is gone. It's yesterday's news. And that's why I think you're seeing people age out of some of the television shopping shows. Today, people want to be entertained and they want to be able to be engaged uh, and um, they want it to be interactive. And that, to me, is sort of 
you know, the precursor, if you will, the foundation of what live stream shopping is and why I believe live stream shopping is here. It's here to stay and it's about to explode. I, I'm so intrigued by that. Like the, the, the bullishness you've got behind it is really fascinating to me. Obviously, we look at like numbers um, from markets like China where it has already exploded and it is it's just an incredible com- commercial tool now for brands. Here, the numbers are a bit slower to speed up. But, you know, I think there's an incredible smartness to the logic you were just explaining around kind of social media elements. Like this is this is an extension of what I already know. This isn't doesn't necessarily feel new to me, I suppose, because to your point, it is an extension. This is just another kind of social media experience for me that just so happens that it's interactive and I can buy on it. That's exactly right, Andrew. Who, 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 um, like, what do you like the best, best practice? All right. Pretend I'm a, a retail exec. I'm in my old role, heading up a retail business. I've decided live streaming is a cool thing. I've tested it with customers and it's, they said, yeah, I'd love to do that. I'd love to see, you know, some, you know, some influencer whose name I'd lo- I'll never know. Um, I, I was one of those people, by the way, who do not want to be an influencer on the internet. So I don't know if that makes me the weird one. Um, probably, but, um, <laughs> maybe who knows? Um, I don't know what the lifestyle's like. Uh, it doesn't look terrible some of the time. Um, but so, all right. So I've, I want to get into it. Like, what are the you know best practice tips? What, you know, what, what do you what is, what makes a live stream incredibly successful in your experience? Um, well, there's several things. First, um, the platform that you're using, I guess, is is is, is really where you're going to start. Um, we uh, really push our, our our participants on our platform to create a permanent presence. Presence, we call it, a, you know, their store. Um, and and the reason for that is what we've learned through the live stream events that that uh, that we've done is that um, so let's just pick any number. If you did ten thousand dollars of sales during your live stream, what we found is over the two week period to three week period following the your live stream, you're going to do another 10,000 because people are going to want to come back. So you need to be able to have that presence. So if you're just doing a one-off, you're losing as much as 50 to 60% of the revenue capability that you otherwise would have been able to generate if they were able to come back to that same place um, and and shop your store, watch the, the previous live stream recording that you did that's still shoppable on market. And um, so that's, that's, that's number one. Um, number two what we found is people that are not necessarily terrific salespeople and they tend to get boring and meandering and, and ineffective in actually generating revenue and monetizing their, in some cases, enormous followings. So in, in those cases, um, what we offer is professional hosts. We have a variety of, of types of people that have fantastic experience selling and playing off of uh, an influencer or even a, a founder or or salesperson from a business or a CEO from a company. Um, and that's what makes it entertaining and engaging. Next, you've got to pay attention to the on-screen chat. So as people are asking questions and making comments, you as as the host of the event must be in the moment. You've got to be reading that as it's happening, uh, which you're able to do very easily on on market and respond to it. Uh, Whether it's a question, whether it's a comment, whether you're just recognizing people, maybe someone made a comment that you think is is appropriate and you'll recognize them, give them a shout out. 
Um, that keeps people engaged. And then, of course, the giveaways and the discounts and all the traditional things that you might want to do. But what I just described, I think, is table sticks to be in it. I think that's, that's so, it's so interesting to me, like that you, you've got it nailed down clearly. And I, like, I love the fact that the platform seems to be built from the idea of just like, how do I operationalize it and make it easy? Because like in, I, I, I live in the world of operationalizing stuff. So big retailer comes up with this cool idea. You know, it's, it's easy to build it. It's easy to buy it from a partner and put it in, like put it into your business, but getting it embedded and ingrained and in a part of the fabric of your business and the way that you operate is incredibly challenging. Um, and kind of removing any of those barriers is is fantastic in terms of design. Um, which brings me to my next question: is like like so, how do you think of live streaming in relationship to other channels? So as a retail brand, I wake up every day. Uh, you know, at the end, uh, really, all that matters is the amount of cash in the till. At the end of the day, the till is both now f- obviously physical and a number of stores, but also digital. Um, is this a channel that sits within one of those? Is it one that complements both? Does it utilize both? You know, I've seen some uh, brands utilizing live streaming from a store, which I think is incredibly smart. You've already got talented people who know your product, who know your customers. Why not leverage it? How do you see the kind of channel environment? evolving and then i've also you know got to also wake up and think about metaverse and everything else that goes with it but let's 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 solve one problem at a time how do you how do you kind of uh link live streaming to channels in your head i I think that um very realistically the best way to to take a look at this uh this new medium if you will is as an additional distribution channel that's complementary to whatever you're already doing and in some cases enhances what you're already doing now you know between you and I, um, which is a fun thing to say in, in, in a podcast. In a um, podcast, over, yeah. yeah. Over time, I believe that some of those other channels uh, will be consumed by live stream shopping. And um, and I think that's just inevitable. Uh, I certainly think market will ultimately replace the websites that a lot of companies rely on. As, as opposed to being uh, a billboard in the desert, why not be in the same location as everyone else? It's like, do you want to be in the shopping mall if you're a retailer, or do you want to be down the street you know, in, uh, you know, in, in your own standalone store? So um, I, I just see that happening too over time. That's really interesting. Like uh, The consolidation of channels, like, I can certainly understand like visualizing that from a consumption point of view. Um, but I, like, you know, becoming the hero channel, that pathway for me is a little more difficult to see on the basis of just human psychology, the idea we're a pack animal and that physical element has con- consistently been an important part to not only my joy, the joy part of shopping, but also, um, you know, logistics, supply chain stuff. Because it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Um, the Like, what do you think needs to, if, if you... Um, look at the market now if we zoom out a little bit and look at the people who are watching live streams and who are buying through live streams i'm not one who usually likes to talk demographics of age because i think it's less helpful than kind of demographics of behavior like digital native people or people who are social media uh you know natives and live live within that kind of realm of that metaverse that is social media what do you see as the trends there what kind of people are shopping at the moment on live stream and, and where do you see that going I think right now you're seeing, uh, you know, the the early adopters of of any technology. People are comfortable with technology, and you're seeing a lot of those people. And you, then you're you're also seeing people that follow specific brands or hosts or influencers. I think that's where it starts, and that's necessarily 
where it will start. And uh, but uh, but over time, I think it becomes mainstream. Just you know, if you can go back to when Amazon first started, who was shopping on Amazon? It was the same exact people. The people that either followed a specific brand, people who were tech savvy, people who were comfortable with with using the internet, um, and now look at it. So I, I think it's it's the exact same path that we'll see happen with live stream shopping. That's so interesting to me. And do you see anything like um, like specific sectors or verticals within retail? you know, going like leaning in faster. I mean, ob- the obvious one that we'll kind of, I'll, I'll say as a moot point, we can move on is fashion. Fashion is a clear user of live streaming already and a successful one at that. Um, what other, like, like what is your next, what do you, what's the next vertical you can see kind of toppling into live streaming and making it and, and kind of making the most of it like fashion has done? You know, I'm, I'm not sure that it's a specific product category. W- what I think it's going to be is the, influencers uh, and and creators out there that have really huge followings um, that don't have a product. And there are a ton of, of brands and manufacturers that are looking for to partner with influencers. That's one of the things that we're creating here right now at, uh, at Verb and, and, and for Market is the ability for anyone with a following to choose from a whole uh, gigantic thousands and thousands menu of products that that they feel passionate about uh, and through existing arrangements with, with manufacturers and other brands. And they can go on market and sell those products and, and monetize, really monetize, truly monetize their, their, uh, their, their following. Because today, um, none of them are really doing that as effectively as they could. They're leaving a ton of dough on the table. They're giving away way too much of it to other platforms. Uh, and other companies that don't need it, and um, so we're going to. That I, I think that's where we're going to see growth come from. Not necessarily what the product is, but those products chosen by the influencers that have the biggest followings, and uh, and then those people will will tune in to see it. That's interesting. So basically, if I want to make live streaming a thing, it doesn't matter what I've got. It's just got to partner myself with the audience, and the pathway to audience is marketplace, market, um, a live streaming platform plus you know, my influencer. Exactly right. There's a bit of data, not enough to kind of say this is a thing and influencers are dead uh, as, a, as an idea, but like there is a bit of data that says like the trust element of influencers is dropping a little bit. So it's potentially seeing, you know, people are seeing influencers as what they are, which is influencers. They're marketing voice boxes as opposed to someone actually genuinely sharing their opinion, um, which is how it all started. Um you know, is is that something that you think about or have on your pipeline? Do you think that's a little bump in the road or do you think there's actually some evolution of the way we think about getting an audience that's going to have to happen? Well, I, I think that's absolutely legit uh, because the reason that these people have the followings that they do in the first place is because they created an element of trust, a degree of trust between them and their followers. Um, and yes, I think that has been eroded in a lot of cases because look, these people have, have worked really hard to build up these kinds of followings, and now they want to be able to monetize them. So they're taking on these these engagements to promote products that they really don't have any any real affinity to, or, or they don't really feel passionate about. And, uh, and that comes through. And that's the one thing that I tell everyone before they get in front of the camera. You know, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're doing, it will be seen, perceived, felt by your audience. And, and that really, you know, goes back to what I said a few moments ago. Uh, we want to be able to provide products that 
uh, influencers, influencers can choose from. Choose the ones that you're really passionate about. Don't just, just take this engagement because you're getting a payday. Choose the ones that you really actually use, that you feel passionate about, and go on and, and, and talk about those. And that's how they'll retain the trust factor that they've already built, uh, retain that. It's, it's a currency, really. R- retain that and build on it rather than erode it. I think that's fascinating. And like, because I think there will be, um, like the fact that you're thinking about it, I think is smart. But like the the fact that that it's um, it is potentially one of those elements that has been it's been such an easy way to get attention. Uh, is just partner with the influencer who has the audience and just get it done, and all all of a sudden you've got millions of impressions. Which you know, I I find the 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 kind of the way we've measured this stuff in the past, particularly social media engagement around like impressions, as incredibly flawed. Like the link from impression to value is actually an incredibly grey one, and you know it's really hard to kind of draw that conclusion. The thing that I I adore about the concept of live streaming as a person, you know, if I, if I put my data science hat on, is that I can see it's direct. I know that this person's got an impression, i.e., they're watching it, and then bang, they've bought something. I want to bring us back, if I can, to your comment before around like that. You know, you're leaving 60 percent of the revenue on the table if you don't have a follow up. What do you mean by that? Can you unpack that a bit more for me? Like, is, are you talking about um, just having a constant live streaming so that an audience can return and have something to return to, i.e. don't be a TV channel that has a show on Monday but not on Tuesday? Or do you mean people are wanting to come back and see the video that you recorded the day before? Yeah, somewhat more of, of, of the latter. See, on market, um, while you can just go on and, and, and live stream whenever you like, if you so choose, we really encourage people to create a store, which means that you're uploading uh, images and products and uh, your entire catalog, if you like. You could load up 100,000 products and SKUs if, if you want. Um, so that uh, after you've completed your live stream and you've you've attracted some, some new followers, some new fans, because you're, you're simulcasting all over social, um, what we found is that people want to come back after the live stream, whether it's immediately afterwards or it, it, as what we're seeing now is it's up to three, five, six weeks later, people are still coming back. So you need that permanent presence that they can come back to and purchase products. So a market, people can not only purchase through the, the live stream when it's live, they can purchase in the store. Uh, which looks like a traditional sort of website. So it, it has your products. People could buy them and check out. Uh, and they could also watch recordings of prior live streams that are still shoppable. So when, when we measure the, the, the percentage of revenue generated um, overall from, from a participant's presence on market, what we're seeing is that 50% of the revenue is going to come from, from when you're actually live, and an additional 50% uh, is going to come from people returning even up to weeks later to purchase more products, or they told their friends about it and they came back to purchase products. And the data that you get by being a participant in market is really interesting because um, you'll know as those in-store, on-market store sales start to decline you know it's time to do another live stream, kick it back up again. And then you'll you'll see it start to trail off over the next several weeks, and you'll know when to go live again. So it's really super helpful tools. But one of the things I want to I, I go back to that you mentioned uh, a, a moment ago is um, – uh, you know, being able to to, to measure, I, I guess, in a way, the, the effectiveness. You, you talked about impressions. One of the things that's really, really different about live stream shopping, 
uh, especially for those platforms that will, can support sponsors for, for live stream events and live stream shows. Um, you know, today, if you look at the analogy of television, um, sponsors on these programs are relying on things like Nielsen ratings and Nielsen ratings is, is sort of analogous to what you were talking about impressions. It doesn't really mean all that much, you know, Nielsen ratings, what does it mean? That someone had their television tuned to that channel. You don't, you don't even know if they were home. Maybe they were, a dog was watching the channel, right? But, uh, and you don't really know what your ROI is. And today in this world, if you are a marketer, you're a sponsor, if you can't quantify ROI, then you should retire and, and, and quit your job. You need to be able to justify every dollar that's spent in marketing. And uh, that means you've got to know what, what your ROI is. If you're a sponsor of live stream content, you know in real time exactly what you're generating because people are clicking and buying. So you're seeing it happen. Right before your eyes, in real time, you may, you spend ten thousand dollars to sponsor this content. You, you're seeing how much you just generated during that period of time. That is really, really a compelling medium to be in as a place to spend your money. So I see that growing in in a pretty meaningful way, not just for for us, you know, on market, but I think for every company in the space, um, it's a very attractive place for sponsors to to look to put their dollars. I, I love that story. I'm going to leave it there, but before I do, I'm going to. I think you've just won over a bunch of retailers because, as you will know, any good retailer knows the sheer sport that is sitting at your head office sometimes and clicking refresh on the sales page yes you just see the see how we're going see the numbers that are coming or not coming in so you know whether or not to panic by lunchtime (laughs) i I think having that kind of like up there on live that's a sport i'm sure i can make a game out of it if we as we go along um rory it's been such a delight catching up with you and uh hearing from you and i know you have to go so i will i will let you go but thank you so much for your time really appreciate it good maybe we uh, come back again and uh, spend some time with deborah sounds like a plan thanks rory have a good one talk soon good luck with the launch thanks Bye 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 now all right. So as you heard, great chat, Deborah. What did you think of that bold prediction uh, in the middle there around, uh, you know, live streaming taking over and kind of um, being the lead channel uh, and consolidating some of the other channels? I thought it was very interesting, but uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, to me, right, live streaming is 3D. And so I've always been very bullish on it versus kind of typical e-commerce, which is very 2D. And it's difficult to really understand what you're buying you know, what it looks like, you know, color pixels and all of that. And the opportunity with 3D is not only to get, you know, kind of real-time advice, but also to just see more of the product. And that layers in, you know, the whole sustainability aspect. So I think, I th- I mean, I'm, I'm with Rory. I don't know. What do you think? I um, I don't know. I Like, I genuinely don't know. Like, listening to him, he's very convincing as the CEO of a platform should be, I suppose. But um, I don't know. I still think there is this um, this core element of our behavior that's not necessarily. I just don't think humans operate in a world of of one thing or another. It's it's generally speaking blended. So I think they will still maintain that kind of blended view. But um, I don't know. It's I think it's still very very interesting. And the the idea of shifting away, you know, what the ch- when I gave him the challenge around you know social media influencers are kind of losing their influence. Excuse the pun. Um, that uh, you know, he's like, we know, and there's different ways to respond to that depending on what's right for your brand. So it's like, I think there are lots of people doing really thoughtful things around live streaming, which will help it explode here, like it has in other markets around the world. 
Um, so yeah, I'm it's, I'm interested. I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, my question, my next question for you actually is: like, We're in the midst of kind of shopping festival season, season, right? So we've had two days of Prime Day, which there's lots of talk about that, um, and it's and some of the numbers. We're going to be heading into some of the some of the 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 other brands' versions uh, as we come closer towards the holiday shopping period. Which gee, that's coming quickly. I know it's around the corner. Oh, tell me about it. It's flying by. Um, how are you seeing the the space? I mean, the the thing that we've always believed, and you know, this the Ten Ten Shopping Festival that you know Corsite inaugurated about three years ago. That if you can give people a reason to consolidate shopping, especially if there's a philanthropic aspect, that you know they you know kind of I think we used to call it shop for a cause. Then you know the consumer feels you know it's it's somewhat purpose driven. They're going to get great deals, but then they're also going to give back at the same time. And, you know, I think it's something to kind of get excited about, have fun, right? It's, it's completely, you know, secular, everybody can participate. And I do think that it, you know, can kind of almost, you know, whether it's from a, a social perspective or whatnot, it really kind of gives people a reason to, you know, I mean, I, the amount of people I talk to who are like, oh, I got this on Prime Day, I got this, I got that. And I'm like, and and maybe I'm just kind of more aware or sensitive to it, but it was, I've never seen anything like it, like I did this year. And so that to me was very interesting. And I think that, you know, we're still, the, the growth of these shopping festivals in the US has been quite sluggish, but as somebody else said to me, you know, if you look at it as, you know, media, then, you know, with CACs going up and the cookie apocalypse and all of that, you know, maybe it's a, at least right now, it's a great way to kind of get introduced to a new consumer and vice versa. And, you know, the sales will come later. And, and that I think is, you know, the, the positive aspect to it. I mean, also it's, it is the least expensive. I mean, literally you need a tiny little ring light for your phone, which is like $5. You need your phone, which you have already. I mean, some of these platforms are like 20 bucks a month. So we're not talking a huge expense by any stretch of the imagination and yeah, the returns can be significant. I don't know. How do you think about it right now? No, I, I think I'm in exact, exactly the same boat. I think like there are, um, I, th- I think we do have to worry about the attention deficit that exists in retail brands right now. We've got central teams who are just having to be focused on so many different things at once, um, that there is going to be some, you know, some plates that fall, um, so, you know, whether or not this is the best investment of time, I think is going to be an individual decision for every retail brand. But in saying that, I think that's, I think your point is really smart that like, this is a really great way to build audience, to build, bring people into your brand that haven't been there before because it, and it, and it's doing it through kind of this festival style of, of fun. So it's, it does build, you know, an immediate positive affirmation, you know, and feeling towards a brand connotation for your brand. So I think that's really, really cool and really smart. As long as you're choosing the right ones, of course. But yeah, I think it's like ten ten. I think it will just be an incredible way to to get access to new customers, which I think is the smart way to think about it. But I am worried that there is, with supply chain, with inflation, with you know employee engagement, with all of these things happening right now, um, our our central teams, you know, in uh, support office teams in retail brands are just they have a lot on. They have so much on and like that attention deficit is going to be interesting. I think that that's actually a fascinating. So it's so funny. This is why you and I like work so well together is I think about the attention deficit from the consumer. So, you know, it's, so it's like literally, right. Like it's kind of like all around, but I think the consumer is so distracted. It was funny. I was talking to somebody yesterday 
And we were talking about going to the movies because, you know, it, at this time of year, it's quite warm and it's a good, you know, kind of respite. And the person was saying that she really struggles enjoying movies because it, she doesn't have like an iPad and an iPhone and like her computer and whatnot. She's like, it's very hard to just be focusing on one thing. And I found that to be, it was one of those like moments you just kind of put a pin in it and you're like, I'm going to get back to that later because there's so much to unwrap there. And so I think, Andrew, you brought, you bring up a, I mean, so not only are the central teams, right, like internally, right, distracted, but externally too. Absolutely. Exactly. And that is such a good point. You know, I always talk about, you know, the, the idea of social media, you know, making us look at the beautiful people and wish that I was more beautiful. But, you know, just as much we look at LinkedIn and see all the successful things other brands are doing and feel almost like I wish I could be like them too. Like there is this pull for me in my personal life and my work life about all of the things that I should be doing. And it is, you're right, it is incredibly hard to focus. Um, and it's, I, I, and then, and then you've got the poor frontline teams who are at the butt end of both of that. Like they've got all the customers coming in and then you've got all of the stuff coming down the pipe to a, to a poor you know, store teams or online chat teams or fulfillment center teams that are just trying their best to absorb it all. My goodness, it must be a, it's a tough gig right now. I think that's a top, that's an entire topic, it, probably a multi-part series unto itself on the frontline workers. <laughs> I mean, you know, and I will tell you too, as a consumer right now, not to call up brands, but what the heck I was in Sephora the other day. And I mean, I wanted to spend money. They could not have been, I, I had a few, you know, kids with me. They could not have been more kind, more patient. You know, some of the folks I was with had like, you know, uh, vouchers for free rollerballs and, you know, perfume and stuff. I mean, these people could not, and they were showing them the free voucher. So they knew, right. This was, you know, I mean, they, they, they like literally were tripping over themselves to, to help. And I just, you know, I, that goes a long way with me when, when you see that kind of service and mm -hmm. just kind of a, a commitment to helping and just like almost like a sheer joy of it. I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, retail is, is hard. And especially now I think it's, it's gotten to be for so many reasons, as you and I've discussed on many different episodes, even more challenging and, you know, that I think that there's a whole different level of appreciation. And actually, I want to bring this back to our topic at hand, which is live shopping, because there's a, there's a few aspects here which can really change the trajectory for the sales associate, associate. Number one, right, they can, in some retailers, they can stream from in-store and they can earn, right, additional, you know, kind of income as a result of that. Number two you know, they're now learning, right, basically another skill set around, you know, this is, I call it like the whole professionalization of the sales associate, right? They're learning to cultivate an audience and, and talk to that audience in a, in a way that's consistent with the brand image and also to have followers and, and right, there's there's that whole other aspect. And then I think the third, I mean, when, when I go into stores and I see that and there's some of the malls that are doing this too, I'm like, I, I mean, I immediately like stop and, and focus because I'm kind of like, you know, it's like, what's going on? There's all these lights, there's all these people, right? You know, there's, there's motion, there's cameras. And, and I think that, you know, it's, it's a whole nother aspect of live shopping, live streaming that I think makes it fun. And Hey, if you can retain associates, if you can share information so that you take down your return rates, you know, there, there's all these aspects that have nothing to do with actually top line you know, maybe that's what we need to get right. And and we should be looking at this from a, a different angle than just sales. Because maybe, Andrew, here, that's not the right metric. Uh, 
big question to finish. We got to come back for that one for sure. Because I, I, I agree with you completely. Like I think, I think, but I think metrics generally is something is we have to face into this conversation as a, as an industry because we still have such old school metrics that are kind of channel vertical specific and all of this other stuff that just don't live up to the current state. Yeah, and. Um, I mean, that's a whole conversation in and of itself, I reckon. But let me tell a quick story. Um, in my, one of my old brands, we actually did a virtual reality back before it's before it was popular too. It was very expensive. We did a virtual reality. You were, you were cool before everybody else. Totally cool before everybody. I've never been cool, let's face it. But anyway, uh, I, <laughs> um, I uh, yeah, we had a virtual reality experience in our shop window where basically you put virtual reality on and you were what you could watch the Australian Fashion Week runway live from our shop window and you were basically no looking yeah and you could like follow people look around you could watch the models run in and like like go do their thing and then the audience's reactions and everything and you know people obviously who were, especially those who wish they could be at Fashion Week you know loved the experience but more importantly there was queues of people at the window just watching people do virtual reality and it is just such a great way to get attention so to your point like there is so many different things you can do with this space but getting it and bringing it into the store and chucking it in the shop window is an incredibly powerful way to do it that's actually really really interesting i, I want to like just as we kind of close out i want to bring up one other cha- well a few other challenges maybe maybe i can't limit it to just one but payments when we're seeing charitable giving, the, you know, kind of, does the consumer get to decide? Does the retailer, does the platform decide? Those are two of the ones that we get asked the most. And then a lot of the retailers, I think they're trying to really kind of taking the thread that you just had. They're trying to figure out, like, how do we know if we were successful, right? You know, are we, are we comparing, you know, ourselves to others? Are we just kind of looking at this from an internal metrics perspective? So, and if you can dive into payments, philanthropy, and measurement more versus one's peers, I think. I mean, yes, there's. So, I mean, there's so much to unpack there for lots of reasons. Um, and again, could be it's a whole mini series on its own. Like, I think, um, generally speaking, you know, the rules that we've always applied to this stuff is frictionless where possible, but then you don't necessarily get the same amount of value. So, you know, you go to a retailer and it says, "Do you want to round up for, you know, St Jude's?" Um, and the, you know, mo- a lot of people might say yes. Might a lot of people may say no. That you know, the link that I necessarily have to a charity that's been chosen on my behalf means that the feeling and the kind of the actual goodwill that is meant to be generated by this is a little little less than if it was. You know, to to your point, a, a choice. Um, the choice element is significantly easier to do in a digital world than it is in a physical one. Um, maybe there's a way to do it post sale. You know, like no different to a tip at a restaurant. Your card gets run twice. You know, there's lots of different ways that brands could potentially think about it. But to your point about like kind of that ROI and that measurement thing, that's always going to be a little bit of a gray space because it's, you know, like how, you know, if this thing occurred, can I really definitively say that it occurred for the exact reason that I'm predicting um, or that I predicted it would be or I hypothesized it would be? And, I, you know, most of the time with these things, you really, really can't. And, um because essentially, if, if I go to a place and I do a I do a roundup and then I come back again and someone says to me, you know, did that make you feel good? My answer might be, yeah. Like, did you come back again to us because you, because of that? The answer is almost certainly going to be no. The answer is that this is all this was already my habit or my behaviour. Um, so like then then you miss the link. But that's qualitative, and people in this world love a quantitative answer. Yeah. No. I well there. Yeah. I mean, going back to there may need to be other. 
I mean, I, I have found, so I will, I will actually maybe take the other side of my, my own question is I do, th- I mean, I personally am usually more kind of wowed by the number of people, right, on a stream. And then if there's, you know, it, it, depending on the tech platform, if there is the ability to kind of associate that stream with kind of future traffic engagement, et cetera, that's where I find it interesting. I guess almost more, in, you know, now that we're talking it through, right, more around customer acquisition than sales, because I just... I think that right now, going back to this, I, I love this kind of distracted thread we have. If if the most challenging thing is to get consumers to you and live shopping does that in a very affordable way. And I mean, I, I love the festivals, right? I love this idea that there's like, a, there's an actual purpose. There's a ton of media, but even just if I know I can meet, I mean, Andrew, right? You and I have the pleasure of spending an hour a week with each other. And it's, you know, and I mean, you haven't talked to you about it. Like I look forward to it all week long. And I think that that is how people feel about some of these, you know, kind of live streams where it's with a specific brand. They know they're going to see the founder each week. They know they're going to have a, you know, kind of a conversation that's comfortable to them. And I think there's something to be said about that, that ultimately, I mean, we've heard crazy stories where, you know, consumers really start to, you know, I would say follow these you know, whether it's a founder or a retailer. And we've actually talked to some of the, you know, the the live streamers, the influencers, the KOLs, and then also their audience, where some of the consumers literally said they had, I, my favorite was the woman had to buy a shed, like out in her backyard where you keep things. Usually I think like lawnmowers and stuff. She had bought so many clothes from one brand. She didn't have any room in her house anymore. Holy moly. I mean, I've got so many questions for that person as a human. <laughs> I mean, it's really like quite crazy. So I don't know. I mean, I know we've got, you know, kind of the, you know, this upcoming festival, we have 1010 around the corner, right? We've got 1111. I mean, and then as you're starting to see things, right, like Shopify and YouTube, and I think some of their platforms starting to, you know, I think figure it out. And I think there's going to be the fun thing is going to be, there's going to be so much experimentation you know, all the while we have the backdrop of like the metaverse and like any NFT that's dropping is, you know, kind of selling out in like 90 seconds flat. So I think it's a really fun, positive time for retail. Mm -hmm. And I do feel actually at the senior level, they are very focused on what you and I might refer to as bright, shiny objects, but the purpose of them and then how to approach it that's right for the brand. And I guess that's where I've been pretty inspired this year. And, you know, I think we'll see even more of that next year. I agree. And and the thing that excites me the most is it, because this is a relatively low-cost experimentation, more brands are willing to do it. And the more brands that do it, the more data we're going to collect and the more you know, best practice will start emerging so that people can kind of fall into this as a more regular thing. I like I feel I do feel like this is the kind of precipice year of of growth for like the, this idea of like live events and live streaming and all that kind of fun stuff. Whereas like it will explode from here if more brands lean in um, and, and you know, they've gone through the last few years of kind yeah. of seeing that it's low cost, seeing that it can be successful, seeing that you can still make it unique. And, and to, you know, throw back to my conversation with Rory, it isn't, a, um, you know, cheap cut through a shoe or throw a tomato up and it slices it kind of have a pair of set of steak knives bonus. It's not that it's actually engaging and interesting and 
much more. I, I love the way you use 3D here, I think, because that is a really nice way to word it. It is very different to those perceptions that people have. So therefore, more brands are willing to kind of you know, have the, the barrier removed and are more willing to experiment. And I, I really hope that we lean in this year so that we can learn a ton. Like me, again, I'm addicted to data. I'm addicted to experimentation and, and having fun and trying new things. And I want so many brands to do it because I want the data. I want to know what it all looks like at the other end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and hopefully we'll, hopefully we'll see it. Who knows? I think we're going to get there. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us for another episode of Retailistic, where we were very fortunate to have Rory from Verbon to talk about the upcoming shopping festival and Andrew Smith, my co-host. Thank you, Andrew. No worries. Thanks for the chat. So we covered everything live shopping, live streaming today, including some of the friction points, some of the opportunities, and of course, shopping festivals. So please like, subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and we look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks. Thanks everyone.